one of these days, one of these days, it's good to be here. Before we begin tonight, we're going to have to pray. If you are a believer and you are, can we say, an alert believer, then you've got to be pretty beside yourself right about now. They've replaced good with evil, and everyone is accepting it as good. What used to be down is now up, and what used to be up is now down. The scripture warned us about a time like this. And you know what's, we knew this was coming. We've been talking about this for a decade now. And now the chickens of our caprice have turned into the vultures of dishonor and they have come home to roost. And now America who has sown the wind we are beginning to see we are reaping the whirlwind. The rest of society may be able to, to, can we say, continue to flourish and function as normal with, can we say, the, the setbacks that we have recently begun to endure. We have given people power over us, power over our lives, power over where we go. I mean, we were concerned before about uh, maybe, you know, the First Amendment, you know, there'll be a few, a little trampling on our rights because before they can take the First Amendment from us, they'll have to take the Second Amendment from us. But the church, is not nearly of the size and capacity that we thought. Because if we knew that the church, who would have thought that the church of Jesus Christ would be suppressed for fear of death? Who would have thought that pastors would forsake the assembling of ourselves together he said not to do it as the manner of some is. And now I'm hearing, well, we're not sure when the churches are going to reemerge. The parking lots, weeds are growing up in the parking lots of the churches now. We're moving to a new platform. We're moving to cyberspace and we're taking God along with us. Hope you enjoy the ride, oh Lord. Social distancing has, has almost eliminated the ability for person-to-person -person contact. How do you think most of the conversions are made? Well, we can make them over the, of course we can. And I pray that that medium is very effective. but now you can't even get someone to speak with you. It's, 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 it, we have to pray. I have some news events that I'm going to share with you, and uh, 
I might ruffle a few feathers tonight. Um, you know, if the shoe fits, wear it. Let us pray. Gracious God, our Father, we thank you for the privilege of spending an hour together. We pray that your spirit will rest, rule, and abide as we decrease, O oh God. We pray that you would increase and that all of us would receive a blessing tonight, O oh Lord, your engrafted word. We realize that faith cometh by hearing your word. And we need faith, for without it it's impossible to please you. And, and, and we're living in a time, O oh God, we're crying out unto you for our nation. We see America adrift. We pray for our president. We pray for his cabinet. We pray that what thou doest, do quickly. Lord, we, we see unrighteousness winning the day. We see news that need to be reported that isn't reported. And, and, and Lord, we, we have, everything is so trivialized. People are dying. Children are suffering. Lord, all of us are going through so much, but people are realizing that this is a time of great power and influence. So, Lord, we have subjected ourselves to, to, to masters of the culture rather than your word and your will. So we pray for our great nation in peril, O oh God. We ask that your spirit will rest, rule, and abide over this hour. We pray for our listeners. We pray for their children. Anyone who may stumble upon this broadcast to the end, they come to know that Jesus is the Christ and that by believing we'll have life through your name. So, Lord Jesus, we're just grateful for the life that you have blessed us with, but we see it slipping away. We see the challenges that we face, and it's time for us to pray. So we're coming to you now. We're bringing our children, our grandchildren. We're bringing our parents and grandparents. Oh, God, we realize seniors are, are, are suffering the worst of, of COVID-19. We cry out unto you for all of us, oh, God. You know the way that we take and we know, we hate to say it, but when we are tried, we'll come forth as gold. So we pray that what thou doest, do quickly. Please, Lord, thank you for blessing America. We still know that the, the flame is still there. It might be just a flicker of a flame, but it's still here, oh God. So we pray that you restore us to that prominent place. Lord, we know we have to put away the wickedness of our doing. So we pray that things go your way. We know the most high rule in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomsoever he will. But we know that you set up over it even the basis of men. So we trust your governance. So what thou doest, O oh Lord, give us the, the, the strength to bear it. We realize that judgment is at the door. We thank you for all that you do in Jesus' name. We ask these blessings. Amen. I have a little bit of news. I just want you to bear with me a second here, okay? We're just going to do this for a second. Uh, you know, politics is getting so, so challenging. It, it's, you know, we're living in the age of the cancel culture, and you'll get canceled in a second when people don't agree with what you're saying. And why let politics get in the way of someone hearing their disposition as it relates to their, their soul? Okay, you're going to die in your sin and go to hell because you, you have a, a political difference with the person who is going to share the gospel with you. So we have to be very, very cautious. I've had people walk out of our church because they didn't agree with some things that I said, and I understand that. 
Okay, in fact, one of our young men was telling me today, you know, he was here at the church and we were laughing and he was telling me that, you know, uh, one of his relatives told him um, she could never come to our church. Okay, and I said, well, why would she say something like that? He said, well, because if you don't support the LGBTQ movement, she said she wouldn't come to your church. I said, you mean there are churches that she can go to? Okay. And he says, yeah, she goes to a church, you know, he described the church and so on and so on, and Reverend Sister so-and-so, and, and he said she's comfortable there. I said, you know, you can find whatever you're looking for in America these days, okay? And, you know, we just kind of brushed by it and kept on going. But, you know, that's absolutely true. I never really thought about that, okay? But today we're going to have a little bit of a conversation about it before we get back to our series okay where we're doing from Friday through Sunday and we're gonna have a wonderful discussion as we go through the next month of this or so because there are so many characters involved in this story but I have a little bit of news now today is is Friday the 24th of July so yesterday the 23rd that would be Thursday now this happened on last evening, all right? I want you to just hear this, okay? Hundreds of protesters demonstrated outside the home of Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot on Thursday evening to demand defunding of the city police department, according to reports. They showed up at her home, okay? The Logan Square lockdown, as it was called, remained peaceful and even jubilant at times with protesters dancing in the street and celebrating at the news that Lightfoot planned to order a statue of Christopher Columbus removed from Grant Park, okay? There were no immediate reports of arrests. On Wednesday, Lightfoot spoke with President Trump about his plan to, to send 200 federal officers to the city to, to work with the Chicago Police Department amid a surge in gun violence, including a drive-by shooting outside a funeral home Tuesday that left at least 15 people wounded, the Chicago Sun-Times reported, all right? The president reached out to the mayor this evening to confirm that he plans to send federal resources to Chicago to supplement ongoing federal investigations pertaining to violent crime. The conversation was brief and straightforward. The mayor's office said a statement, uh, uh, according to the Sun-Times, now, you know, Mayor Lightfoot maintains that all resources will be investigatory in nature and be coordinated through the U.S. Attorney's Office. So she is saying that she got a, a promise from the president that all of the investigators, okay, will be coordinated through the U.S. Attorney's Office. The mayor has made clear that if there is any deviation from what has been announced, we will pursue all available legal options to protect Chicagoans from cops, from the federal police that are coming in to assist the Chicago Police Department. Please understand what we are talking about here. I continue. Protesters were decrying the alleged punching of activist Miracle Boyd, 18, by a police officer during a violent clash at Grant Park last Friday in which rioters attempted to pull down the Columbus statue, according to Fox 32. So they upset that one of the 
anarchist got punched by a cop. Protesters gathered in Grant Park again Thursday night, and by the early morning hours Friday, crews had shown up with a crane to begin removing the statue. So the mayor caved. We're talking about the Chicago mayor, Lori Lightfoot. They showed up at her house last evening, okay? You saw what happened in St. Louis with the white couple. I mean, uh, I think they were two lawyers or something. You know, the guy had his, his AR-15 and his wife had a small pistol waving it around with a finger on the trigger. Okay, but still, a little ignorance. I think they had the right idea. We understand that. It's the American way. They broke into the... I mean, please, let's continue. Now, after... She made a deal with them. She gave in to that. Could you imagine they're showing up at your house? Hundreds of people. The mayor. Okay. So she had a crane ready, and, and they pulled that statue down overnight. Please don't come back to my home dancing in the streets. Ah, boy. Christopher Columbus. Does that mean no more Columbus Day? We're going to cancel that too? Now, here is something that we definitely need to know. Okay, here's an article. you got to hear this one. All right? GOP, GOP reps push resolution to ban Democratic Party over past slavery ties. I want you to hear this, okay? You got to hear this. A group of Republican House members led by Representative Lewis Gobert, okay, of Texas, introduced a resolution Thursday that would effectively ban the Democratic Party from the House or force a party name change over its past slavery ties. A response to the recent effort to remove tributes to past members of the Confederacy from the halls of Congress. Now listen to this, okay? You know, Nancy Pelosi and them, they're removing all of the, the, the giant, you know, wonderful paintings of, of all of the Confederates, okay? All of the, all of the racists and the Ku Klux Klansmen that served in, in the House, okay? Now, I want you to hear this. You can't make this stuff up. It specifically cites the Democratic Party's platform support for slavery between 1840 and 1856 and other racist actions by party members through the early to mid-1900s before calling on House Speaker Nancy Pelosi to remove any items that names, symbolizes, or mentions any political organization or party that has ever held a public position that supported slavery or the Confederacy from the House and its properties. Do you understand what's going on here? I think they know it's not rhetorical. Please understand. What's happening here is that black people don't know this. If you are a Christian, and you're an African-American, and you attend a church where the pastor preaches democratic politics, you know, we call, I mean, we're still preaching a type of liberation theology, you know, okay? But if your pastor 
in any way encourages you to support the Democrat Party, then your pastor, okay, is leading you astray. I said it, and I can prove it. So I want you to stop and consider this. You don't follow your pastor. You follow the Lord. The Bible says, be ye followers. Paul said this in the book of 2 Corinthians. He said, be ye followers of me, even as I am a follower of Jesus Christ. Okay? And all he is saying is, if I'm following Christ, you can walk behind me. But if I'm not following Christ, you shouldn't walk with me. You shouldn't stand with me. If your pastor in any way is sympathetic or in any way supportive of the Democrat Party, okay, then he's a sellout. Don't you understand that? You know, we talk about Juneteenth this year. And, you know, I hear cries, let's make it a national holiday. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'll tell you why I say I don't know. Because it stood for something good. But the people who were the ones that were enslaved were released in Texas. Huh? It wasn't the Democrats who released you, okay? It was the Democrats who enslaved you. But slavery was ended in Texas, and blacks didn't find out about it for more than two years. What a terrible tragedy. How many slaves were beaten to a pulp in those two years, not knowing that they were made free? It's just that the slave... Why would they tell you? Why would the slave owners tell a slave that you're free now? Huh? That the government has made you free. But I want you to understand that you are free now. And why are you still under the yoke of the Democrat Party? Listen to me. The Democrat Party is the... You know, I met a young man just a few days ago that didn't know that the Democrat Party is the party of abortion. But they don't... You know, it's a woman's right to choose, okay? But yes, yes, you know, because if you... I mean, I'm not making light of an unwanted pregnancy, but guess what? It's too late to talk about that part of it. You know what you should have done. Close your legs. But nevertheless, it is still murder. No matter how you change it, okay, it's not a baby, it's a fetus. It's just Latin for baby. It's a fetus, but you, you, know, it just, you, you move it far away from us, and, and, and we're killing our children. That, that practice of aborting children was set up specifically for African-Americans. Google the name Margaret Sanger, Margaret, S-A-N-G-E-R, and you will see that it's for you, okay? African, I'm talking about the African-American right now. The abortions were set up for you. She was the one who established the Planned Parenthood network, and, 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 and now they have you embracing the whole principle, killing our children, sacrificing our children at the altar of insignificance or inconvenience. I just want you to think about it for a minute. God works. You're going to see in tonight's lesson, we don't know who God is going to use to accomplish his will. But if we inadvertently just, I mean, just kill our children, okay, and the Bible tells us that he is the one who sends them into the mother's womb. So if you support that, if you are a Democrat, yes, you support that. 
about marriage equality? I mean, you know, Barack Obama, I mean, made it, you know, really cachet. I mean, it's just a in thing now. Okay? Now all of the black men are coming out. You know, they've been trying to cut our population and 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 we've halved our population since 1973 with you know with Roe v. Wade and the like. They say our population now with the last census is 33 million African Americans, and they said we have aborted 33 million children. Oh, you guys are, are these Democrats? I mean, they're still the party of slavery, and, and and you know they're laughing at us now. They they have us marching. The Jews didn't, I mean, I'm not going to, you know, hey, I support my Jewish brothers and sisters. Everybody who knows me know that. But they were deceived into thinking that they were being removed and, and, and nothing bad was going to happen, okay? And they were forced by the time they, they got to the concentration camps and, and, and saw the furnaces and things of that nature, it was too late. And here we are, African Americans today. We left the party of Lincoln, the party that freed us, and now we're in bed with Democrats. Look at where we are dying. Oh, law enforcement. Yeah, right, sure. Okay. There were more cops killed by African Americans last year than there were African Americans killed by cops last year. What do you think about that number? Okay. I'm not just going to throw that out. That's what happened last year. Okay? We know, hey, there are problems. We have to address them. We've been addressing them in stages. First, we put a dash cam in. Then we put a body cam on. You know, who knows what we're going to do next? We'll have drones following everybody around. Okay? But whatever we have to do, we're working it out. Abolish the police. Do you know we were looking at the statistics with gun sales over the last few months, and African Americans have purchased the most guns per capita when you look at their population size. We have increased the most. Okay, you know why? Hmm? Because you're talking about defunding the police. Other communities don't need them as much as in our community, because guess what? They act as a buffer between our children to keep some of our kids alive. In fact, you can't even go to a, a, a funeral. Where is it, in the Bronx? You know, of the 14 people shot, 11 of them laying there rolling on the ground were women. Is that how it happens now? But Mr. President, don't send your stormtroopers in. They're calling them all types of names, you know. And Trump is trying to steal the election. I heard Stacey Abrams, Stacey Abrams say that yesterday, you know, the, the loser, um, the one who lost the election in Georgia, you know. That Trump is trying to steal. They can say whatever they'd like about this man, okay. Have you ever seen someone so persecuted in your life? There is nothing that he has done that has been spun in a positive way. Nothing that he has done, okay? I'm not going to go into things that he has done or areas that he has failed. All I'm saying is he is the president of the United States. And if we have a normal election, he will be reelected. But this resolution that they did in Congress was no doubt aimed at African-Americans for them to, you know, it's, it's more like satire because the news media isn't going to mention it. 
Could you imagine if it was the other way around? The news media would, would, would champion this from sunup to sundown. You know, they use the same talking points, okay? But I just want you to think about this for a minute. They're saying, okay, so you guys are tearing down all of the monuments to slavery, okay, and to racism. Listen now, okay? So... Let's tear it down. Huh? We're tearing down the Confederacy. The Democratic Party is the Confederacy. The party, their platform, take a look. They're the ones killing us, all of the cities where there is runaway and rampant crime, violent crime, black-on-black -black crime our Democrat-run cities. Please understand. As we move forward into climate change, you know, they don't believe there's a God. You are in a godless dogma, and your pastor is the one that I hold responsible. I'm only talking to you African-American Christians because there's hope for African-American Christians. There's no hope for anybody who's not a Christian. Okay? But I'll tell you what, if you follow Christ, follow him. Don't listen to what people say, okay? You know the difference between right and wrong, okay? You know killing babies is a crime. Come on now. You know that's murder, don't you? Huh? What does God say about homosexuality and lesbianism? Even though we might have some in every family almost now, okay? What does God say about it? You got to tell them. It's nasty. God says don't do it. It's okay. It's just sin. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Whatever your sin is, we all sin. But you're not going to flaunt it in the very presence of God and try to make it seem like it's okay or it's not so bad. Got a bunch of homos in the, homosexuals in the choirs and all through the churches, skipping and prancing around and all that kind of stuff. And it's entertaining to us and it's no big deal. Making a mockery of God and his word is what it's doing. But not only that, I'm telling you, that is the party of sin. And if you are... Enough. The servant that didn't know my will, but did things worthy of stripes, he said, we'll be beaten with few stripes. Because you didn't know it was wrong. And you went along with it. I, you're thinking right now, I didn't know the Democrat Party is the party of wickedness. It's the party of the devil. Do you? They hate God and the Democrat Party. Can't you see that? Okay? They tried to remove him from the platform. Okay? Two conventions ago, if you remember. It was contentious. They hate Israel too. Okay? God said, I'll bless them that bless Israel and I'll curse them that curse Israel. Listen, be careful where you sit. Okay? Because God can't bless that. So you be careful who you listen to. If you're listening to a preacher that keeps saying, well, Trump is a bad man. He's the only one held up a Bible during this pandemic. He did it in front of a church. You know what I heard? Well, he held it up upside down. He didn't open it to read it. He just held it up. The symbolism is there. What are you talking about? You have a problem with a man holding up the Bible? Or it's just because it was a white man that you don't like? Huh? What in the world is going on?
He's the one who said, open the churches up. We need more prayer. You get mad at a president for saying that, then you got to be the devil or worship him. Okay, that's enough time spent on this. We're going to move on. And don't you cut this out of my message and try to put it out there by itself. I know how Jesse operates, and he'd do something like that. He liked that kind of stuff, that fiery stuff. Yeah, I'll get a five-minute burst out there somewhere, you know? Okay, but it's just interesting that Congress would do that. Make a resolution. Let's cancel the whole Democrat Party. You're making the Washington Redskins change their name, huh? How come the Democrat Party, that's been the Democrat Party, the party of the Ku Klux Klan? Oh my God, you know we're scared of Klansmen. Trump is a racist. I keep hearing that nonsense. There were more jobs before the Dem. Listen, before we shut everything down. Everybody who wanted to work was working. I'm glad he closed the border. It meant that there was a little bit more job security for the underskilled in our community. You people are just crazy. Everybody was working. Trump is a racist. What about the, what is it, First Step Act? You know, people are getting job training while in prison, an incentive, okay, to, 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 to hurry up and get out. They're getting job training. They're going to school, and they're coming out, hitting the ground running. Now everybody collecting unemployment, okay? Sitting around wearing a mask, listening to these clowns who have no idea what's going on, what God is doing, and we're listening to science. we got to trust the science here. What science? What science? You understand what's going on. Who does this stuff but God? This is out of his playbook. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verses 12 through 14 will tell you that. It mentions exactly what's going on now. And it'll tell you why he's doing what he's doing. He wants us to consider our ways. Okay? So I want you to know, if you're listening to CNN, you know, probably Don Lamont and, and his crew, okay? Anderson Cooper and that bunch. A bunch of men-loving men, okay? I mean, what? How, how you expect them to care anything about our president, okay? He has canceled all their stuff. Obama had, had really, you know, loaded the bases, Join the army, you can get all your stuff done for free and all that kind of stuff and get right out, boom. He cut all of that stuff out. Oh, we're going to put bathroom signs all over the place. No, male, female, man, woman, boy, girl, boom. We're going to put Christmas back, boom, it came back. Did you know prayer got put back in public schools? Huh? Yo, huh? who you listening to? Huh? Now you can say, in Jesus' name, amen. But guess what? Schools are closed, and they're not going to allow schools to open until November 4th. Why? Because they need mail-in voting in order to defeat Donald Trump. African, there'll be a wave of African Americans voting for President Trump when he's talking safety. We feel unsafe. You ought to feel unsafe. Come on now, it's just women and children, more than 85% in the city of Cleveland. What do you expect? Okay. Black Lives Matter, let's ban the police. Are you crazy? That's the buffer between good people and all the bad people in the community. 
Yes, and there are a lot of our bad children out there because daddies abandoned the mommies and the children had to, and you know what God says, a child left to himself will bring his mama to shame. That's what the Bible says in the book of Proverbs. But this is not my message tonight, so let's move on. But it's not just happening in the black community anymore, man. Vagrancy is everywhere. Everybody pansagging and looking all crazy and high and stuff, man. They're smoking so much stuff now. You can buy it everywhere. You see what's going on. That's not my message tonight. Okay, enough. Tonight, in our series from Friday through Sunday, tonight we're going to look at Joseph and Nicodemus. But if I had to give you a title for my message tonight, it would be Romans 8. And 28, it says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. You know what that verse is saying to us? That all that you go through, all of the things that you go through, work together for your good. Okay? Sometimes you're having hard days hard weeks. Sometimes you could have a year or two that you'll look back on and you say, man, I want to forget those years. But God was doing something in your life, either toughening your metal or bringing you through something that you may not realize until later. A lot of things that happen in our lives we understand later, by and by, is what the scripture pretty much lets us know. And um, so, but, but, but I want you to think about this story. Jesus is on the cross at this time. We are talking about Friday through Sunday. There were so many instrumental players or actors in this narrative. The thief on the cross was an important, very important figure, okay, on that Friday, okay? Then when we stop and consider, John was standing there near Jesus' mother, and Jesus said, Son, behold your, your mother, uh, mother, behold your son. And from that, the Bible says, from that very hour, John took Mary into his own home. And you know, the sons of Zebedee had a lot of property. Their daddy was a, a, a wealthy fisherman, and he had land in Jerusalem, and I believe in Capernaum and the like. Okay, so Mary was going to be taken care of. So Jesus thanked the thief and promised him a place in paradise, and, and he continued to suffer. Okay, but that thief was instrumental also. We'll talk about him somewhere down the road. But, but I want you to focus on two men. Two men. Two important members of the Jewish hierarchy. Okay. Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, okay? Now, Joseph of Arimathea, Matthew chapter 27 and verse 57 describes Joseph as a rich man and a disciple of Jesus, okay? That's what it says. Now, Mark chapter 15 verse 43 describes Joseph of Arimathea as a respected member of of the council, who was also himself looking for the kingdom of God. So he believed Jesus' preaching, and he was a disciple of Jesus Christ. 
The Bible declares that he was a disciple, a learner, a student, a follower of Jesus Christ. But yet, he was a part of the Sanhedrin. He was a very important man, okay? A respected member of the council. Now, the gospel according to St. John chapter 12 and verse 42 tells us that there were other secret agents around the hierarchy and leadership, even as it is wherever you are. There'll always be some of us sprinkled throughout every system. The Bible says in John 12 and 42, Nevertheless, among the chief rulers, many believed on him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. I mean, come on, okay? We're talking about rulers and leaders. People, they couldn't deny the miracles that he did. Those were signs that God had sent him. And you heard what the way he spoke, very powerful from the time he was 12 years of age. So many people believed on him. They knew the Messiah was coming. But overall, they came unto his own, and his own received him not. They rejected him. Okay? Now, Jesus is on the cross, and it's getting late. And we're going to take a look at some of what happened as it was getting late and how important it was. Now, on last week, we looked at Mary and Bethany, who prepared Jesus' body for his burial. Excuse me for one second here. She prepared Jesus' body for his burial. Okay? What she did, she anointed his body for its burial. You remember that? Because... Here we are. It's crunch time. All right? Jesus is on the cross. And the Bible tells us that if a man has received a death sentence and you hang him on a tree, his body cannot remain above ground overnight because that person is a curse of God. And if that curse is going to be retired or suppressed or done away with, that person has to be buried that very day. If Jesus was not buried before dark, we'd yet be in our sins because he would not have qualified to be the Savior. Okay? So I just want you to think about this for a minute here. Okay? So the cast of characters, it was very meticulous. God had to choose them very, very carefully. He needed faithful people. How many times have God sent you on a mission somewhere and you copped out somewhere like, oh man, that looks like it's going to be too hard to accomplish and, you know, whatever the case might be. And because you didn't have any faith, the mission was not accomplished. Huh? How many times? I mean, we probably can't even count because we don't know. There are times that the Holy Spirit, you're just getting this unction, this, this, this idea. Maybe it's someone you need to call and, and, and try to restore a relationship. Maybe it's, it's somebody you, you need to apologize to. And, 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 or, or you need for them to apologize to you because they're held hostage and so are you. So the strong bear the infirmity of the weak. You make the call. It doesn't matter. Well, they're the one that wrong. No, make the call anyway. You are the Christian one. The Lord expects you to do it. Restore fellowship. When your fellowship with anyone is broken, your fellowship with him is broken. 
And I can say your fellowship with everyone is broken if it's broken with Jesus. Okay? Now, we're going to take a look and we're going to walk through what happened as Jesus died. Okay? Because this is critical. We're dealing with getting his body in the ground before sundown. Because all of his work would have been in vain if we failed in any of these areas that I'm speaking. This had to be done. Luke chapter 23, verses 50 through 56 says this, And behold, there was a man named Joseph, a counselor, and he was a good man and a just, it says a just man. The same had not consented to the counsel, okay, and, and deed of them. You know, they were constantly dogging Jesus, and, and, and he said, give him a chance. You know, hear the man out. You know, stop judging him without knowing him. But the Bible says in that verse 51 of Luke chapter 23, it says, who also himself waited for the kingdom of God. You know, remember, thy kingdom come, let thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yes. He waited for that kingdom also. Joseph of Arimathea believed what Jesus preached. It says in verse 52, this man went unto Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Now, he's dead. He's on the cross. And God has a cast of characters. Don't forget, all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord, them who are called according to his purpose. And he took, he took it down. It says this, he begged G, uh, Pilate for the body. Verse 53 says, and he took it down and wrapped it in linen and laid it in a sepulcher that was hewn in stone, wherein never before any man had been laid. Verse 54, and that day was the preparation. Okay, please, please listen to this. This is very important. Okay, you're going to need this. It says, and that day was the preparation and the Sabbath drew on. So it was Friday. And it was getting late on Friday. Verse 54 says, and that day was the preparation and the Sabbath drew on. What men try to say, well, wait a minute. There were two Sabbaths on that week, and I agree. Thursday was the annual Sabbath, the Passover. He ate the Passover with his disciples Thursday evening. That's the annual Sabbath. So if you were going to have a preparation for the annual Sabbath, that would have been Wednesday and then Thursday, okay? And then Friday, okay? It doesn't add up. But when you look at it the way the Bible reads it, then you can see it's Friday through Sunday. It says in verse 54, And that day was the preparation, and the Sabbath drew on. The Sabbath was coming next. It was getting late on Friday. The Sabbath is the next day. It says this in verse 55, And the women also, which came with him from Galilee, followed after and beheld the sepulcher and how his body was laid. And they returned and prepared spices and ointments. Look at what it says next. And rested the Sabbath day according to the commandment, which was Saturday. Okay? And then early on Sunday morning, they showed back up. Now, let me put this story together for you, okay? Now, John 1938, 
says it this way, After this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fears of the Jew, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him leave. He came, therefore, and took the body of Jesus. Okay? But when you read verse 39 and 40 of the same text, it records that Joseph and Nicodemus took the body and bound it in linen cloths with the spices that Nicodemus had bought. The disciples then conveyed the prepared body of Jesus to a man-made cave hewn out of a rock in a garden of a house nearby. Okay? Now, what's interesting is how God made this all come together. All right? If you really, really think about this, it'll give you goosebumps. All right? Because Matthew 27, verses 57 through 64, sums it all up for us. All right? Let's look at it. Matthew 27, verse 57 says, When the evening was come, okay? Yes, it was about to get dark. There came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. Okay? Yes, he was a disciple of Jesus Christ. But I, I just want you to think about all of this. He went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in clean linen cloth. Okay? He's doing it hastily, hurriedly, and laid it in his own tomb. Listen to, here. Listen to this. And laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out in the rock. So, he checked this out. You know, we always preach, oh, yes, the body was taken to a new tomb, a stone's throw away is how it describes how far the tomb was. But he must have been pretty rich to own that piece of land that is right up against Golgotha. I mean, could you imagine? Joseph of Arimathea owned that piece of land. That was on his private property. The story doesn't end there. We're going to finish this out. But I just want you to think about it for a minute. Verse 60 says in Matthew 27, and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out in the rock, and he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulchre and departed. But guess what else? It says, and there was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary sitting over against the sepulchre. They needed to know where Jesus' body was taken. You know why? Because they didn't know that Mary and Bethany had anointed his body on Tuesday night for his burial. So they're thinking, oh my God, we got a crisis here. So we need to watch and see where they lay his body so that we can come on, on, on please understand, on Sunday morning and we will, you know, get the stone rolled away and somehow we'll anoint the body for his burial even though it's post, you know, we're still going to do it. They didn't understand. That's not why he wanted them to come to the sepulchre when they come back on Sunday. They're going to bring spices, but that money would have been wasted. Because, don't forget, Mary and Bethany already anointed his body for his burial. So the spices that they were going to prepare and then rest on the Sabbath, okay, that we read already, okay, those spices weren't going to be needed because he had already been anointed. But they were going to be needed. 
at the gravesite because they were going to be privileged to carry the first gospel message. Go and tell my disciples that I have risen. So Jesus covered all of the bases. He, he took care of every little detail. You know, our father did. And he set everything up so his son would be magnified and that he would be glorified. But I just want you to think about this for a minute. So here are the two women who followed behind, okay, and they wanted to see where Jesus was going to be laid. Okay? It says in verse 62, Now the next day that followed the day of the preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees came together unto Pilate. you got to hear this. Okay? This is the, what day is that? The next day that followed the day of the preparation. Okay? The day of the preparation is Friday. So the day they came was Saturday, okay? The chief priests and the Pharisees came together unto Pilate on Saturday, saying, Sir, we remembered that this deceiver said, while he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Command, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say unto the people, He is risen from the dead, so the last error shall be worse than the first. Oh my God, if people hear that he is risen from the dead, it'll be worse than us crucifying him. We thought we got rid of him when we crucified him. His reputation will never die. Do you understand? So they're saying, send guards so that his disciples can't steal his body away. But the guards had to come back and tell them that it wasn't his disciples. Angels came and rolled the stone away. That's what the guards said, and they had to pay the guards money. Here they are thinking the disciples will come and steal the body, and, and then we'll have to live with Jesus' risen from the dead. Okay? But the guards that they paid came, and they had to give them hush money. And told them, we won't let this story get out. We're going to keep you safe. Hmm? I just want you to think about all of this. Just think about it for a second. Now, here's what you have. The Bible tells us that this Joseph of Arimathea, okay, it, it, it says not just that he was a rich man, but it gives us a, a, a sense of order and a sense of, can we say, sequence of events. It tells us that Joseph of Arimathea went to buy the linen that afternoon. Okay, And the Bible also tells us that Nicodemus went to buy the spices that afternoon. Who told Nicodemus what to buy? And who told Joseph of Arimathea what to buy? I mean, just think about it for a second. Okay? And they came together. They had the stuff. Okay? And, and they came and they got the body together. Joseph went and, and begged for the body. And Nicodemus met him there at the cross. And they took the body down of Jesus together. Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea are the pair who did that. Who played the spiritual undertakers. Huh? All the Romans did, they came a little bit earlier to break the legs of the three persons on the crosses to expedite their death so that they'd die before sundown because the, it was holiday. But when they came to Jesus, they didn't break his legs because he was already dead. So Jesus went to paradise first, okay? 
But, but I want you to see what's going on here. Now, the point I'm making is everyone had a role. They didn't know whether God was going to use their roles according to their planning. But God was going to use their presence to do his will. Please understand what I'm saying. The women went to buy spices they didn't need to buy. But their motive was pure because they were going to come to the sepulcher. And if they didn't have the spices, they wouldn't come. And they wouldn't be there to carry the gospel message. So sometimes it seems like it was a race of resources. We had our refrigerator. We bought a, we got a brand new refrigerator. Friends have helped us and, and we were able to purchase a nice refrigerator, but it's made in China. Everything is made in China these days. I believe we got it April 21st is when they delivered it. Brand new refrigerator. It still looks brand new on the inside. They didn't even spill anything in it yet. Okay? Last week it just died on us. Okay? It just died. It's heating food rather than cooling it. So everything in there was swollen up and, and real big looking and stuff, you know, and it's kind of like, wow, cut cartons of milk and stuff look like they're ready to explode. You almost don't want to touch any of that stuff without a shield in front of you, you know, because anything can happen at that point. And it's kind of like, wait a minute, we just got this thing. And that's the way things happen. Things go wrong all the time. But you know what? We realize that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord, them who are called according to his purpose. I don't know what God has in mind, okay? But there's a new compressor that's needed, and they're going to bring it in on Monday or Tuesday. Maybe I'm supposed to witness to the repairman. You understand what I'm saying? So I don't, I didn't lose any sleep. We lost a lot of food. We lost hundreds, I would lost... I don't be mad at somebody. Who do you get mad at? The Chinese. It's a Chinese-made refrigerator. And you know, they've been... <gasps> All things work together. Instead of fixing blame, trust God. Please hear me. Okay? Please hear me. Things go wrong. When things go right, it's harder for you to see God. And it's hard for the Lord to see you or for you to see him when things are going right. Because when things are going right, they're going right by you. When things are going wrong, they might be going right by God. So please understand. Okay, sometimes you get a detour and you get sent out of the way during your life by God. During your day, during your hour by God. Sometimes he, he just wants you in a particular place to do something. Who knows what your role will be? Nicodemus was ready. Joseph of Arimathea was ready. The two women were ready. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. Mary and Bethany had her ointment. Okay? Very costly. Okay? So please understand. Everyone had an important role. And none of their roles can be diminished. If one person gets saved in your family this year, okay, how much input do you have in it? Did you plant a seed? Did you attempt to hit the home run? Or did you bunt and get on base by saying something noteworthy? People need to hear that God is in charge today. People need to hear that
that this pandemic is not something that drives us towards trusting in science. We're trusting in Fossey and Dr. Burks and all of the scientists, and we're listening, and we're being pulled to and fro. One minute they're saying this, the other minute they're saying that. I am God, I change it not. Okay? So please understand, there's a place that you can come and be still and get some rest and refuge. You can come into the very presence of God in this age of anxiety, no matter how you look at it. Watching people walk around with surgical masks does not engender, okay, what we would call strength. It endangers, engenders weaknesses, okay? It symbolizes weakened immune system. It symbolizes controlling germs and keeping somebody safe. So the symbolism there is that of illness. We don't see those masks any place other than when surgeries are being performed and people are trying to, 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 you understand exactly what I'm saying. So our nation is sick right now. People are riding around with masks in their cars. I was watching a guy riding his bike, poor guy, perspiring like crazy. I'm, he didn't fall off though. But I'm just saying, things are happening out here. I went into the gas station yesterday. I was going to get a few dollars worth of gas and the lady behind the glass. I mean, you got more glass than anybody else. And she tells me, well, you don't have a mask on. I can't, I can't serve you. I said, I'm just giving you my cash. Just put it on the pump. You don't have to do anything for me. You don't have to touch me. Well, I can't serve you. And you know what I told her? I said, you know, if the owner of this business were here right now, he'd replace you immediately. His margin is not that great. I'm an old customer here. Well, no mass, no service. Huh? So I went across the street and bought my gas. Yes, I have that right, don't I? Okay. So guess what? I, I gave it to the guy across the street rather than the guy I normally give the money to. So please understand, it's your affair. You decide what you want. But you know what? I'm not changing my lifestyle for any of these people. I worship the true and the living God. And I'm not afraid. The Lord is the, the light, my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When my enemies came up against me, they stumbled and fell. Huh? I listened to what David had to say, and I believe, just like David believed, that the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. Hmm? You want me to go on with the 23rd Psalm? Huh? Or the 46th Psalm, God is my refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Okay? I can go on and on now. Okay? Don't mess with me when it comes to God. Okay? So we worship Him. And we trust him. So there is something going on here behind the scenes in all of our lives that God is working out. And every one of us is playing an important role in it. So don't surrender. Okay? Don't become despondent. Okay? There is hope. And what our mission is, is to reach your loved ones for Christ. Let me tell you something. Okay? God is the one that we obey. If Pastor Noel says something that is clearly outside of the will and the word of God, don't listen to what Pastor Noel has to say. He is in error at that particular point. Okay? But if Pastor Noel says something right, you might not like Pastor Noel, but guess what? You have to say amen because God said it. And you know, if it belongs to God, okay, then you have to accept it as fact. And that's where many of us are not willing to tread. 
I don't want to hear it. Okay? Listen, you have to hear it. Your soul depends on it. When you die, and you know, in this age of COVID-19, anyone can die. Okay? Young people are dying, old people are dying. Mostly old people, but young people are dying too. Okay? And guess what? Death is all around us. So are you, yes, you are afraid. You're wearing a mask, aren't you? Well, of course you are afraid. So I'm saying to you, why are you afraid if everything is covered? Have you dealt with everlasting life? When you die, do you know where you're going? I'm, this is a serious question. This is the most important question in your whole life right now. Do you know where you're going to be for all eternity? Don't you believe that when we are dead, we are done like plants or dogs or cats or something like that? Don't you believe that? Huh? We have souls. Okay, God made us in his image after his likeness. Please understand that. That's not the physical part. That's the spiritual part. Man is a tripod just like God. We're body, soul, and spirit. Okay? So I just want you to think about this. I'm not saying that God is like that. God is Father, Word, and Holy Spirit. These three are one. So, but it, you, you understand. But the point is this. God is in charge. Are you worried that after you hear this gospel message from me, if you die and you have not accepted Christ, you're going to hell. It's not going to be pleasant. It's permanent. It's a place of torment and suffering. He said, the worm dieth not. Okay? So in other words, you can't die. You wish you could, but you can't. But it wasn't made for you. It was made for the devil and his angels. So if you go there, you're going there against God's will. So I'll tell you what. His will is that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And he made it more than possible for you to get saved. If there was something that you needed to do for your salvation, Jesus did it for you. Okay? Judgment had a bill, and it's been paid in full by our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ. You just have to acknowledge that he did it and believe that he did it. The Bible says that he died on the cross for your sins and mine. He was buried and he arose again from the dead. That is the gospel of your salvation. What are you saying, Pastor Noel? The Bible says you have to believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, that he was buried and that he arose again from the dead and your faith will be accounted to you for righteousness. You don't have any righteousness, but your belief in what Jesus has done will give you the righteousness that you need in order to be saved. Now you can come to him and ask him to forgive you of your sins if you believe that he died on the cross, that he was buried, and he arose again from the dead, which is the whole gospel, you go to him in prayer, confessing your sins, and Jesus will be faithful to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Let's pray that prayer right now. Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross, that he was buried, and he arose again from the dead on that third day? Then pray with me, Almighty God, my Heavenly Father, I thank you for loving me and sending your son Jesus to do everything necessary for my redemption. Lord Jesus, I believe in your virgin birth. I believe in your sinless life. I believe you went to Calvary bearing my sins and died in my place for my sins. You were buried and I believe you arose again from the dead. 
and I'm confessing my sins to you, and I'm asking you to please forgive me of my sin. I am a sinner lost in sin, O oh God, but I need a Savior, and I'm trusting in you to carry away my sin and to save my soul. Thank you, Father, for drawing me unto your Son. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for hearing my humble prayer, forgiving my sins, and saving my soul. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, you're one of us. Now, you're born again as a spiritual baby. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you might grow thereby. I did enough meddling for one night, but we looked at Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus tonight, two faithful men of God who were lived in obscurity, okay, and they, you know, said a few things here and there to encourage people around them. But God, who knows? What is God using you for? Huh? You remember what happened with Esther? Esther said, who knows? If God have let me become an orphan, my parents were killed while I was young, come to stay with my uncle Mordecai, and all the hardships that I endured, and then I happened to win a beauty pageant, and now I'm one of the king's wives, okay? But who knows? If God hath put me into this place because all of the Jewish people were being threatened, okay? And she needed to go in and speak to the king. And who knows if God had put me through all that I've gone through for such a time as this. God has a purpose for you. You may have suffered all types of abuse and all types of problems growing up and, and things in your life, but God was only hardening you and preparing you, and now you have the credentials to help others that are going through with what you have gone through, and that's what the Bible says unto us, okay? God is our God of comfort, who comforts us through all of our tribulation so that we can in turn comfort others with the same comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted by God. I love you, my friends, and good night. And Lord willing, I'll see you soon. If I don't see you on this side, I'll see you at the Beamer seat. We'll high-five one another and contemplate how we got over. I'll see you soon. Good night.